you know, we've been doing spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, simply tools, tools of how to bring me closer to Jesus, how to bring you closer to Jesus. The tools aren't special in and of themselves. They're only a tool, but they're used to take us closer to him. And so the tool for today in your toolbox, you need in your tool belt, and by the way, I'm Deb Klutz. I've been on the pastoral staff here for 27 years, I think, the leadership team. I'm an old dog among all of these young pups. But anyway, um, it's good to be here. It's good to get to speak. We're going to have a homestead graduation, too, actually today. So you get a treat of testimony that'll be interwoven with the sermon. And testimony is powerful. But the spiritual tool we're talking about today, WD-40. How many of you are familiar with WD-40? Oh, yeah. I was so impressed with... When I Googled this, there's over 2,000 uses for this. Over 2,000. You can buy them in little cans. I'm getting one for my purse. Seriously. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. But you know, why would uh, WD-40 be the tool we're looking at today? Because the topic is staying free. Staying free. WD-40 lubricates. It cleans grime. It prevents rust. Those are just three of the 2,000, but there was one that really staggered me. <clears throat> that was, it was used to get a bow constrictor out of an engine compartment. And I just said, trade in the car. Just trade in the car. Not doing it. So that's our spiritual tool for today. Um, I want to introduce the gals that are going to be interchangeably up here speaking with you. And the first is Rebecca Stone. And Rebecca, uh, we call her Becca. She is from originally from New Jersey, but she came to us from Kansas City in October of 2020. And she did her job apprenticeship at K-State University and works there full-time now. And she is about to step into a part-time, well, really kind of has stepped into part-time uh, house manager role with Homestead along with doing her K-State job. So that's Becca. Tracy Embray is our other graduate today. She came to Manhattan uh, from Wichita, Kansas in July of 2021, and Tracy is a CNA here in town, but she is working uh, with her college classes to become an LPN or an RN, depending on how much schooling she wants to do still, right? And so we were also able to uh, donate a car for Tracy and her mobility, which is always an exciting thing for our graduates. You know, as executive director of Homestead Ministries, I um, make the final decision on whether a gal who is coming out of sex trafficking is allowed to come to our program. And when I send out the application to uh, gals that are interested in the program, I send this letter along with, and it's called The Battle of Two Worlds. And I want to read excerpts of this letter this morning because I think it's really pertinent to what we're going to be talking about in staying free. Beck and Tracy are going to come. They're going to talk a little bit. They're going to share their stories about what it looked like to not be free, the turning point, and then what it, what it takes to stay free. What does it take for them to stay free? And so let's start with the letter, which says, it starts like this, there are two worlds in existence simultaneously, good and evil. 
It's really that simple. If it's not of God, then it's of the evil and the evil one. God Almighty and Satan. This reality is becoming more blatant and obvious to everyone worldwide. You are most likely, and remember this is to the applicants, you're most likely all too familiar with the dark side of the world. You were most likely born into the environment, many of you. Drugs, alcohol, unbridled sexuality, guns, violence, death, danger, the drama and the trauma of those elements and the association with those living in the dark side of the world. The only way to escape it is to get radical about life change, to make the choice to experience and embrace an entirely new way of living. So, Tracy, why don't you come tell us what, what that part of your story looked like in the turning point. Good morning. I lived most of my life in darkness. Um, when I was young, I remember desperately wanting my father's love and wanting to belong and be accepted and valued. I received all of that and much more from my mother, but never from my father. That left a hole in my heart and a void in my life that I was always trying to fill. I wasn't raised in church or knowing anything about God. I also had a lot of sexual abuse from my childhood. All of these things combined left me as a lost, broken, wounded child. It also left me vulnerable to predators. And when I was 19 years old, some very evil people got a hold of me and I was thrust into a world of darkness and sin that I knew nothing about. <clears throat> I'm not using any of these things that happened to me in my childhood as excuses, but I am saying that it left me very vulnerable and evil preys on vulnerability. When I encountered evil, it changed the trajectory, tra trajectory of my life. <clears throat> I've seen and experienced things that are unimaginable to most people. That lost, broken, wounded child became even more broken year after year. The predators I encountered at 19 used drugs as one way to gain power and control over me. Drugs and alcohol, drug and alcohol addiction became something I struggled with every day for decades. I would get out of bad situations and try to get my life on track all on my own and my own will. I would do good for short periods of time, even as long as three years a few times, but there was always something drawing me back. In 12-step recovery programs, I would hear about God and a higher power. By this time, I had experienced so much darkness and evil that I didn't even believe that there was a God. And if there was, he certainly wasn't good. If there was a God, why didn't he protect me? Why didn't he save me from all of the bad things that had happened in my life? I now know that those were all lies from the enemy that I believed for a very long time. The number one weapon that the enemy <clears throat> has used against me for many years is shame. It's like I was drowning in it all of the time. I have five children, and I was in and out of their lives during their childhood. They didn't understand <clears throat> why I wasn't there. They thought that I didn't love them. That couldn't be further from the truth. I didn't love myself and came to hate myself for not always being there for them. I knew what it felt like to feel unloved by a parent, and I hated myself for doing that to them. That's where the vicious cycle of doing good and going backwards comes in. I didn't know Jesus, and I didn't know about what he did on the cross for me. 
I could only white knuckle it on my own for so long before the shame, guilt, and regret would take me back under. In October of 2016, I was at my darkest point. I felt like I was at a crossroad. The choices I had before me were suicide or 100% all in, try this God thing. I truly felt like it was my last hope. I knew I couldn't continue to go on the way I was, and it obviously wasn't working. I was accepted into a discipleship sober living house called Second Chance. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just knew that I saw joy in these people and that I wanted to feel like that. I was just going through the motions at first. I went to Bible study in church, and for the first time, I really listened and wanted to know who God was. I started to believe maybe he was real and maybe he was good, but I wasn't convinced. In December of 2016, I saw a sign-up sheet for baptisms at church for New Year's Day, so I signed up. I was doing this because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I thought that baptism was my public declaration that I was following the Lord. That was when the Lord chose to reveal himself to me, to put all of my doubt to rest, and to let me feel his love for the very first time. I walked into it with absolutely no expectations and walked away from it forever changed. As I stood in line waiting for my turn to get in the water, I had a tangible presence of peace come over me. And out of nowhere, I just began to cry. I got in the water, and when I came up out of the water, I literally felt like all of the shame, guilt, hate, and regret that I carried for so many years was left in that water. Words can't accurately describe how that felt. God chose to reveal himself, his love, his mercy, and his goodness to me in such a beautiful and restoring way that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was real after that and that he was good. <clears throat> after that, I began chasing after God and developing a relationship with him. Desperation is what brought me to Jesus and what I got in return from him was unconditional love, forgiveness, and mercy. A year and a half later, three of my children came back to live with me. I had never been in a better place in my life. I felt like I was truly walking in freedom for the first time. At the time they came back to live with me, my children were 14, 15, and 17. They were also very broken and had been through so much. I blamed myself. And gradually, the enemy's lies and accusations became louder than God's voice. Before I knew it, I was right back to drowning in shame. I got involved with a bad man and suddenly found myself back in the same situation when I was 19. I heard about Homestead through a very good friend of mine, Cassandra, who was a graduate. I got in touch with her, and with the help of my best friend, Michelle, they connected me with Deb. Homestead welcomed me with open arms and surrounded me with love. I discovered that God never gave up on me, and he continually pursued me even when I walked away from him. I have been on a healing journey while at the homestead, and I am amazed at what God has done and what he continues to do in me and in my life. Every time you have to talk about, 
you know, shameful things of what I've come out of. I just get nervous. So I'm just going to read Psalm 107, 2 and 3. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and the north and from the south. So I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and set free from torment, despair, desperation, oppression, fear, suicide, homicide, the spirit of death, um, deep, unbearable pain, and just so much shame and self-hatred. It's hard for me to ever like pinpoint the beginning of it, but I will say I went through sexual abuse from a really young age, and with cause and effect, it led me into prostitution, addiction, IV drug addiction, and before I came to Christ, the torment, the despair, the pain. If you know, you know. I'm going to testify that I've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. I put a number and a price on my body, and other people put a price on me, but God paid it all. And no one can step to the price that was paid for me. So I'm going to say I truly have been redeemed from a lifestyle of prostitution and rescued and saved from sexual trauma, from shame. And I'm going to speak that boldly because a lot of these women, they're silenced. I was silenced all my life, and we can't, they can't even say that. And they want to say it, and it's deep within their core, in their heart, in their soul. So I'm saying that on behalf of my sisters, my homegirls, and the ones still out there, too. Amen. That there is hope, and it's through the blood of Jesus. That will preach. <laughs> the letter continues to the applicants. You ready? You cannot keep one foot in the dark way of life. You cannot manage the darkness or control its power, its pull, its consequences. You have the opportunity now to make radical choices, to separate from people, from places, from things. You have to step into a process of unlearning and relearning. You have to learn how to adjust to a new normal. It's the only way to escape that black hole and that toxic existence. It will require ongoing, consistently radical life choices. Minute by minute, 24-7, 365, in every area of your life. It will take all of your strength, all of your willpower, plus the empowerment of God Almighty to do, to do this, plus the grace and the love and the support of healthy others. Professional services are helpful. They give you tools. They give you guidance to heal from consequences of participation in the dark world. It's going to be a horribly difficult battle, especially at first, but as healing and unlearning and replacing a new focus, a new purpose, a new vision for life comes with the help of God. Life transformation can and will happen. Becca, Tracy, tell us, what did it look like to come out of that? But then what does it take to stay free? What does it take for you to stay free, to keep walking in freedom? How radical have you had to be? I've come to understand that getting free and staying free are two very different things. 
Getting free is a sprint and staying free is a marathon. One radical choice I've made to stay free is relocating to Manhattan. I have a very well-established support system here and that is one of the biggest pieces to staying free. Staying plugged in with them and living life with them has to continue to be a priority for me. Romans 12 talks about renewing the mind. I have to be very intentional and always be in the process of renewing my mind. There is no point that, will be, that that will be finished. It will be a lifelong process of growing and evolving. I've had to unlearn survival skills that I have had for a very long time, learning to trust people, safe people, and allowing myself to be vulnerable in order to receive the lessons and the love that the Lord has given me through other people. I've learned the importance of repentance and knowing that no matter what it is, Jesus is there with open arms. I've learned about spiritual warfare and have experienced firsthand the importance of putting on the full armor of God every day. I submit myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice and stay in constant communication with him. Rather than talking to myself in my head, I talk to the Lord. I've learned the importance of staying on fire for the Lord. I no longer want to be cold or lukewarm. <clears throat> July of last year, my 19-year-old son Donovan was murdered. I don't know where I would be or if I would even be alive if I wasn't at Homestead. In the days and weeks after, I felt God's presence so strongly and could feel him holding me up. The pain and sorrow would have been too much to bear if I didn't have God's peace and love surrounding me and also the love of all of these amazing women. They were there with me from when I got the phone call and still with me, came to the trials, with the sentencing, just everything, have been with me every step of the way. I'm humbled by God's amazing love and how he has loved me through my sisters during the worst time of my life. My relationship with God and the love and support of Homestead has allowed me time and space to grieve, heal, and forgive, and allowed me to be very present and strong for my children as they grieve. Homestead has also surrounded my children in love and prayer and has walked alongside all of us through this tragedy. I've learned the power of prayer and intercession and the power and authority that I have in Jesus Christ. I've also learned that praising him during the storms in life is just as important, if not more important, than during the happy and joyful times. I pray that I glorify him in all that I do and that people will see his love in me like I have seen in all of you. Thank you. Homestead has, I just want to say thank you, Deb and Tracy, again, in Homestead and Westview. It's an honor to stand here because it's like the healing process, the family, the safety that is at the Homestead. So it's like about a year into that, knowing that I was safe, knowing that I was loved, the walls start coming down. 
So what does it look like to stay free for me? I'm still here and it's been, it's going on three years and it might be that way for a, a long while. But I made a decision after a year of being here to stay until I was delivered, stay until I was healed, stay until I was free and stay until I was fully the Lord's and I was okay with just being with myself and being able to look in the mirror and be okay with my past. And even for that old identity to be completely stripped off of me, that I'm not moving in that, that I'm not, that that's separate from me. And that's been a process, so. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love you all so much. Testimony is powerful, isn't it? Revelation 12, 11 says, that by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus on the cross, and the word of our testimony, my paraphrase, the enemy's butt gets kicked. Totally. And that's what we're all about. We're all about that. I want, to, I want us to read through scriptures now. I'm just going gonna to blast you with about five scriptures, okay? It's not going to be a long passage. It's different ones. But the Bible is full of scriptures on being free and staying free. And I've just selected a few, but let's read through these. They'll be up here on the screen for you to read along with me. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. James 4, 7 through 9. So then surrender to God. There it is again. Surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will flee in agony. I like it. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. But make sure you cleanse your life. You sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Brian talked about this last week. We have to be. We have to be confessing sin. We have to be renouncing sin. We have to be turning from sin, repenting of sin. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but it's so important. Sin is a big deal. It's a big deal. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of this world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of the flesh, the allurement of things, of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these themes come from the Father, but from the world. Revelation 3, 15 and 16, Jesus is talking to the church here. He says, I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy or fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are neither cold nor hot but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. 
Hebrews 12, part of verse 1, part of verse, verse 2, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. And then lastly, and Paul is talking here, and he's saving it for last because it's a big deal. He says, now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on the complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. And then verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray. With specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and every season in the spirit, and with this in view, stay alert. With all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. Prayer. Now, you know what? I want to reword this letter just a little bit so that it is applicable not just to applicants to Homestead, but it's applicable to us, the church, okay? It might read, Dear one who is interested in being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, please do not be overwhelmed by the level of commitment your disciple, discipleship process will require of you. However, I do want you to take this very seriously if accepting Jesus not only as your Savior, but also as your Lord. So you will be free, and you will stay free. You know, we never complete the discipleship process this side of heaven. It's ongoing. We're never done. So... Let's summarize this. Between testimony, between the word of God, through even the letter that I've been reading, let, let's make some summary points here to bring it in, to bring it in. First point in your worship guide, be hyper-intentional about your life union with Jesus. In other words, be over-the-top intentional about your life union with Jesus. We need to cultivate that, not just on a soul level, which is the mind, the will, the spirit, the, the emotions, but at the spirit level, the deep level. We need to practice the presence of God. Guess what, church? If you know Jesus as your Savior, he lives in you. So he is present. <laughs> Why aren't we acknowledging that? Why aren't we walking every minute of every day like that's true? Because it is true. It is true. He's present. He's present when you go outside. He's present when you're watch the mo watching movies. He's, he's present when you're watching TV. He's present when you're at work, at play, doing this, that, or the other. He is present. Practice his presence. Jesus cannot be just a tack-on 
to all of your activities. Secondly, your self-talk, and Tracy mentioned this, self-talk needs to shift to God talk. You know how much we talk to ourselves every day? If you Google that, you'll have thousands of words. We say thousands of words to 